Okay. Hello. I'm Andrew Faust. This is the Center for Bioregional Living, and you are listening to Permaculture Perspectives. And today, woo, I have a doozy for you. Lots to share. I'm going to start off with talking about what happens when renewable energies are placed inappropriately in your community. Right now, we have a problem in the Rondout watershed immediately across from the wonders of Walmart and a nice little local market called Peter's Market. As you look up towards the Schwangum ridgeline across an ancient farm field, a farm field that very realistically dates back to pre-colonial times, definitely a site where Muncie and Wawarsing Indian tribes were growing the Three Sisters, a beautiful historic farming floodplain with the ridgeline behind it that defines our part of Ulster County here in Ellenville. That field is about to have a bunch of concrete pads poured in it and permanent ground-mounted solar arrays so that now when that gets done, you look out over a bunch of bright reflecting silicone mined extracted materials that harvest sunlight inefficiently in comparison to what we could be doing with trees, corn, grasses, and even some rotational grazing in a pasture like that. Much more productive use of this land. This should be protected farmland. Yet, follow me here. This whole project leapfrogged any political process whatsoever because it is owned by the state. And whenever a state or a town just wants to do something, they don't have to get a permit. And in this case, they don't have to go through what is called the seeker process, which is a fairly exhaustive environmental impact process. Nor do they have to go through an environmental impact survey or impact statement. None of that. Because they're the state. And so therefore, they're exempt from any process. In addition, they didn't talk to Jen Medsker, our representative, whose responsibility is agricultural issues. A division of the state government I discovered from talking to Jen Medsker personally, she informed me how frustrated she was in her ability to retroactively change where these monstrously scaled industrial solar panels are going to go. People like to use this term solar farm. Now I'm realizing that is a rhetorical spin to make it seem like there's something agricultural about solar panels. Well, there is not. This is an industrial scale concrete pad with steel infrastructure in a farm field. This is what gives a bad name, bad taste, bad image to renewables, to solar. You know, if you like solar... It does not equate that you need to be an apologist for it 
no matter where, no matter when. What we need in this region, desperately, which I talked with Senator Medsker about, and she was quite interested in our ideas here at the Center for Bioregional Living, to create a regional plan, a master plan, a plan, a watershed-based plan for the proper placement of renewables and protection of and enhancement of food security, which this project flies in the face of both of those goals. It is the wrong technology. It is the wrong use. It needs to be stopped. So I'm writing emails. I'm talking to people. I'm sending out materials. This will be another effort in that direction, saying, help me find a lawyer who will file pro bono a cease and desist order on this because basically our senator and any other agency that I've talked to has said, we have no other recourse at this point but legal action. So there you have it, solar farm going in on prime agricultural land in the floodplain of the Rondout Creek here in the town of Awarsing, just outside of the village of Ellenville, a real problem. Another story I wanted to share with you. I've been teaching a homeschooling class to my daughter and any friends and families that want to show up on Wednesdays, 10.30 to about 12.30 or 1. The class is actually from about 10.30 to about oh noon and then just free playtime for the kids to run around and hang out with our goats and our chickens and be outside on our permaculture educational farm. And for me, often to hang out with the parents afterwards. Well, this time, this last session, we've been getting a nice group of people, consistent return, building a rapport, where the kids are giving me answers to my questions now about things like, How fast are we going around the sun? 67,000 miles per hour. Why do we call it a solar system? Because the sun is the biggest thing going on. Things like that. Having a fun time. And I talked about how evolution, this fascinating article that I've shared on my Facebook page about how the tides long ago in Earth's history were so much more dramatic that it's now been linked directly to the evolution of limbs and forelimbs and amphibians by the pressure that was created, the circumstance, the niche that was accentuated by how extreme the tides were. Because when we go back, way back into the early history of the Earth, the moon, oh, about 3.5 billion years ago, was something the size of Mars that slammed into the Earth and then has slowly, steadily marched away from the planet. And even as recently as, say, one billion years ago, the moon was taking up, oh, upwards of 40% of the Earth's sky at night. And so its effect on the tides was far more dramatic. And it turns out what this did was it created very extended periods of amphibians being isolated in tidal pools where this forelimb adaptation could emerge through a selective process of natural pressures. The forelimb is a key evolutionary shift that leads to mammals and to primates 
and to us. And one of the parents, who was at this last session, a new parent, uh, decided to tell me that, in fact, perhaps we were planted here and that we hadn't evolved from single-celled organisms in the ocean 3.8 billion years ago and come from primates around the equatorial rain belt, but that, in fact, uh, we should swallow the idiosyncratically absurd pill of creationism. Maybe the Earth's only 5,000 years old, and maybe aliens planted us, and and he proceeded to berate me the entire time we were having our after-class hangout down at the house about how COVID really was a conspiracy and masks were really why we were all uh, having health problems, all of which I continued to debate with him vigorously and explained that hand-washing was something that was very important and masks definitely made a difference and that I completely disagreed with him. And he basically berated and harangued my entire parent base to the point to where he drove everyone away. And then finally left in a huff when I turned to answer a small child's question who had come to me. I think he was upset that I gave her priority and therefore, to me, clearly illustrated what an egotistical, patriarchal, small-minded male this individual was and how little patience I have for being polite, as you might be able to tell here. When it comes to people who come to my house and a class I've taught that I clearly advertised as earth science, ancient history, evolution-based, and then want to argue with me in the middle of my class to younger students, his child present, about things that clearly are contradictory and make no sense at all. You'd have to deny the entire field, as I shared with him when we walked back down to the house after class, you basically have to deny all the physics all geology, all biology, all of history, anthropology, and archaeology in order to entertain the notion that evolution is in some way debatable. Or to entertain the notion that the basic fabric of our existence is utterly based in all the scientific premises We put our lives in the hands of technologies that are founded in the physics of engineering, chemistry, and geology, which are also the physics that say the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, which we know from the most empirically solid thing that exists on the Earth, which is the breakdown of uranium into lead called radioactive decay. We know that it turns into daughter isotopes. So, you know, when people act like in some way it's debatable that we're on a planet in outer space circling the sun. I sometimes think that maybe they're just brainwashed, I guess. And that's really sad and something that I'm interested in cultivating compassion for, but definitely not welcoming into a uh, educational environment at this present time. With the state of affairs in this country, uh, the attempt to make it seem subjective when it comes to something to me as fundamentally scientifically true and proven as the geology of the planet 
and the pace and time of evolution and the path of history and how the physics of the planet works. And what I'm teaching children about is how to understand the earth and how to understand how to live in a way that makes sense in terms of how this planet works. And I have very little time for adults who want to take me around the block on a bunch of nonsense that they saw on a few YouTube videos about masks being a you know, conspiracy and making no difference and hand-washing making no difference and the number of deaths that we're seeing from COVID being fabricated. I have no tolerance, no interest in entertaining, and feel a deep level of sorrow for people who live in proximity to these individuals. And I want to say... Most importantly, as I wrap up this shorter podcast, just to get the message out about please help me with finding a lawyer for our cease and desist order on the solar array in the Rondout watershed so we can send the right message as a people here, as a nation, about who we want in power, about where we want to place power systems in our landscapes to create real regional energy security and food security not where they will be disruptive of the ability for a river to flood or for it to recede after a flood by creating impermeable concrete pads in the basin of it and where we should be growing food crops because they will be something that can come back and do well after floods because of the fertility that it leaves. And send a message through your vote. Please go and vote. Please Vote in a caring administration that is conscientious about the American people and our children and their future landscapes and what they will inherit. And that, on this ticket, is Biden and Kamala Harris. Please go and vote for the Democratic ticket, the Democratic line. We need to take back over this government and right now, They are our allies. They are who we need to rally around. And especially reach out to people who you know who are in Pennsylvania and might be considering not voting. Help in any way you can before we get to Tuesday to be sure we win this election. It is a matter of life and death. And absolutely what will be on the other side of a continuation of the present administration is a deep, dark shadow of death, dismay, and something that I would say simultaneously to be hunkering down and preparing for the worst if we don't do everything in our power to win back the White House to the Democrats and take back this government to be truly by the people and for the people. Thank you for listening today, and we will get back with our readings from favorite books. I'll mention right now as I wrap up, one I'm especially enjoying is by James C. Scott, and the title is Against the Grain, A Deep History of the Earliest States. So stay tuned, look forward to our next podcast. I'll be sharing with you from Against the Grain some of my favorite excerpts as well as Into the Cool, Energy Flow, Thermodynamics, and Life by Schneider and Dorian Sagan. 
and Hua Hu Ching, the latter teachings of Lao Tzu. So be well, in solidarity, let's win this election, and let's bring back the health and wealth of the American people. Enjoy your day on planet Earth.